You're listening to a sermon from the Spring Midtown Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about the Spring and its ministry, please visit thespringmidtown.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We're talking about the prayer that we just prayed together. So if you would turn with me in a Bible to Matthew chapter 6. We're starting at verse 7. And we're going to read the whole thing again. And then we're going to pay attention just to a part of it this week. Matthew 6, starting at verse 7. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Man was born hungry, and only God can fill him. Humanity was born hungry, and only God can fill us. That's what Jesus is talking about in this part of the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. That's what he talks about all over the place, actually. And the Bible in general bears witness to. And it's really the story of the first three chapters of Genesis. God, when he made us, made us incomplete. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God could have created us as self-sufficient beings, and he doesn't. God creates us with needs, like food and water and rest and sleep and truth and beauty and love and worship and purpose and meaning. God created us empty so that he could fill us. And the reason that you and I crave fulfillment is that there's a God who fills us, who designed us in that way, as incomplete without him. And so we're hungry for the gifts of God. We're hungry for God himself. We're hungry to be with him. We're hungry to be like him. And the problem with that story, and really with all of our stories, is that we have a tendency to sort of flip God the bird and walk the other direction, right? Just to say, I I don't need you. I can meet my own needs. I can do this all by myself. I'm just fine. I, I will take the fruit of any tree. I will... I'll draw life from any source. I will scratch and claw meaning and purpose and all of the things I need out of this life. I'm, I'm just fine on my own. Now, we train each other on a pretty regular basis. How you doing? I'm good. That's the right answer to that question, even if it's not true. And the God of the universe, in Jesus Christ, is teaching us a very different way to live our lives, a very different way to deal with our needs, to bring them back to God who can actually fill them. Give us this day our daily bread. That's what Jesus is saying. He's connecting us with the God of the universe, the giver of all good things, so that our needs would become moments of provision, moments of gratitude, moments of generosity, as we get closer and closer to this Father that he's teaching us to talk to. And the problem, I think, for us, uh, especially as Americans, is that we're really uncomfortable with need, Uh, We don't want to be needy people. We don't want to admit to other people that we're needy. There's a reason that we've taught people to say, well, I'm fine. Anytime, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing good. I'm keeping up with everybody else. 
I'm not weak. I'm not the kind of person who needs other people to help them. I'm an individual. I'm capable of dealing with my own stuff. Even if I'm struggling a little bit right now, I'm not going to admit that to you, and I'm not going to admit that to other people. There's a reason we have that expression, keeping up with the Joneses, the people nearby, the people next door, that we would be the sort of people who you know, are at least as good, if not better, than the people around us at meeting our needs. And as long as you can't admit that you have needs, you're going to have a lot of trouble having God meet your needs. Because we have this God who's weirdly respectful of our freedom and who doesn't just solve our problems without us asking most of the time. The weird thing that God likes about prayer he wants us to talk to him, even though it says he already kind of knows what we need because, you know, dads know what their kids need. The question is, what are you doing with your needs? Are you working really hard to try and meet your own needs? Are you working really hard to try and pretend that you don't even have needs? Are you talking to the God of the universe about what's been going on lately? I had a pastor years ago, and he used to say that uh, the reason we have trouble praying prayers like this is we're too quick with our credit cards that we have a God who might meet our needs, but we're not going to rely on prayer. We're going to rely on debt. Or, you know, maybe not debt, but we'll take a pill. Or maybe not a pill, but we'll have a drink. Or maybe not a drink, but, you know, some other habit on the Internet, some other weird way of kind of just pushing that need down the road, pretending like it doesn't exist. What are you doing with your needs? Are you even willing to admit that you have them? The first step in the Alcoholics Anonymous program is saying, I can't do this by myself. I have a problem. I am in need. Consistently in the Bible, the people who interact with Jesus, who meet Jesus and have Jesus change their lives, are the people who are willing to say, I need help. It's the paralyzed guy. It's the blind person. It's the people with withered and crippled lives. It's the self-righteous and arrogant person who's humble enough to say, I think I need some help. It's the absolute religious failure. The true prostitute on the street who says, I think I need some help. Jesus has this way of meeting and restoring people who have needs. And then there are plenty of people in those stories who go, I'm doing great. I really don't need Jesus' help. I really don't need God's help. And those people always kind of keep him at a distance. This God who, you know, when he teaches these amazing lessons, is also down to feed thousands of people, just to give people lunch. This God who cares deeply about our day-to-day -day needs. Are we trusting him with those needs? Are we talking to him about them? There are religions, and even probably versions of Christianity, where people like to pretend like God's too spiritual to care about my day-to-day -day needs. God's the spiritual being, and he cares about big and eternal things, but not little things, like what I actually need right now. We have a God who deals in, in sin and in souls and in salvation. We have a God who doesn't really care about something as simple and as physical as bread. Matter doesn't matter to God. And... The Christian story would tell you that that's a lie. There's a God who made us with bodies because he likes bodies, who made all that is as this gift for us to enjoy, who actually, when he comes to save us, comes in a body, who spends a lot of time healing and filling other people's bodies, who is tortured in a body, dies in a body, returns to life in a body, gives you and I a pretty good idea of what life after death looks like. Bodies. We have this God who cares deeply about it. There's a, a New Testament scholar named Frederick Dale Bruner who actually says uh, that it's possible to be more spiritual than God is. It's possible to be more spiritual than God. Jesus is encouraging us not to be more spiritual than God. Not to believe that just because this prayer begins with our Father in heaven, the one who's hallowed, 
the one whose kingdom we pray for, the one whose, whose name we champion, the one whose will we really want, that God is still very interested in your day-to-day -day needs. Are you willing to admit that you have them? Are you willing to bring them to the Lord and stop trying to solve all your problems yourself? Because the truth is, we're pretty bad at solving all of our own problems. We tend to see really ironic consequences when we do things like that. I don't know if you've experienced that. That's definitely happened to me more than once. This, by the way, is a prayer for bread, right? Uh, bread in the ancient world is this ubiquitous thing. It's everywhere. It's cheap. It's at every meal. And that, I think, for us is an important thing to pay attention to. Jesus teaches people to pray for something that's maybe the most guaranteed item at every meal, something they're going to have all the time. So this is a prayer not merely just for bread, but maybe for gas money, a prayer for our basic needs, a prayer for a job, a prayer for somebody that we could spend the rest of our life with, a prayer for a child, a prayer for what to teach your children, actually, when you have them, because it's really hard to know what to do with kids, a prayer for things like a good night's sleep, which isn't the same thing as a good place to sleep. These things aren't guarantees. These things are, well, really hard to come by, actually and an amazing gift when we get them. opportunities for provision. Uh, the other, uh, I think, problem we have with a prayer like this, uh, we struggle to see um, gifts in our lives. I think this is another particularly American issue. Uh, we, we tend to pray, and then if things go well, we go, oh, I don't know what I was worried about. <laughs> I have on more than one occasion had people say, hey, pray for my dad. He's headed to the hospital. We don't know what's going on. There's a head injury. More than once this has happened. Gets to the hospital, MRI, very afraid, lots of anxiety. CAT scan comes back clear, and they go, huh, I don't, we were worried about nothing. Rather than God answered our prayer, we prayed a lot. We were anxious for a reason. I guess we were just worried about nothing. It's not that big a deal. We tend to see answers to prayer as things that are guaranteed, and we tend to see unanswered prayers as this great injustice in the world. We have a kind of blindness to the ways in which God provides for us, to the gift that life is. And that, I think, is, again, an American problem. The, the truth is, if I asked you to go home and pray for bread, you would feel silly. Bread is something I can get, right? There's a grocery store aisle full of bread, every possible kind. Dave's crazy bread, cinnamon raisin, bagels, English muffins, honey wheat, whole grain, sourdough, gluten-free, off on its own side. We have every imaginable kind of bread, and it's very easy to come by. And so you and I, because of our wealth and our prosperity, think, well, this just isn't that big a deal. We don't need to pray this way. There's a great theologian named Bart who actually has a prayer about this. Um, I've got a video of it. Bart, would you like to say grace? Dear God, we pay for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. <gasps> <gasps> Dear God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. And everyone gasps. And the truth is, there's a reason that we don't really pray after or before meals in this country. And some of us would probably think, well, that's because America's becoming this less Christian place. I'm, I'm not sure that's true. In very pagan places where they don't believe in our God, people still sit down and they give thanks to the deity that they believe in. I think it's because in America, we don't see the stuff at our table as something that's been given to us. We see it as a guarantee, a right something we're entitled to. So it doesn't occur to us to thank anyone because, you know, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing, I guess. I'm not particularly worried about Americans not praying, but I think for Christians, we should be at least as pious as the pagans. 
that it might be good to bring this back, praying before breakfast, lunch, and dinner, actually seeing those prayers as echoes of this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And three times a day we go, thank you, God. It's a real gift that you're meeting my needs. It's not so much that we've paid for this stuff ourselves, that we created this stuff ourselves. And we're entitled to this, but this is actually a gift. This prayer will teach you a kind of gratitude. If you pray it all the time, you'll begin to see God meeting your needs as a gift. The fact that your needs are met on a regular basis isn't because you're so crafty, and it's not because your job is so good, and it's not because you're so amazing and you're so well-educated. It's because God is really kind. That God just gives us good gifts all the time. And the vulnerability piece of it, I think, is worth paying attention to. We think about uh, bread, and it doesn't occur to us what could go wrong in something as simple as that. But actually, a lot needs to go right for bread to exist. We need sunshine to happen in particular places for the particular amounts of time of the year. We need it to be a certain temperature, not too high, not too low. We need water to fall from the sky on a regular enough basis, not too much, not too little. We need certain kind of bugs to be around so those grasses get pollinated. And we need farmers to capture it, and we need it to be harvested well, and we need certain kinds of yeast to succeed, but not other kinds. And we need it to last on our shelves so that you and I can get something as simple as bread. And that stuff is not a guarantee, right? The idea of water falling from the sky. We live in a desert, but it doesn't occur to you that we live in a desert because of this great thing called SRP. And only the people at SRP are really aware of something called the desert because you and I, we go to the bathroom and we turn on the shower and it's just on. And it could be on for like half an hour before we get into it. And suddenly we're like, oh, right, I got I to gotta dive into that. I forgot that I left the shower on. It doesn't occur to us that it hasn't rained hardly at all this year and there's still the same amount of water coming out of our sinks. But the people at SRP will tell you we are dependent on rain falling far away and snow falling on certain mountains and water being collected in certain ways and trees surviving so that their roots hold soil and it doesn't mudslide into our dams and reservoirs. We are very dependent on something simple that you and I take for granted all the time. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are remembering that we are small and mortal and we are vulnerable in this world. Something that happened to us at the beginning of the pandemic that I think created a lot of wisdom, or at least was an opportunity for us, you and I suddenly, for the first time in our lives, went to the grocery store and shelves were empty. Never before in our lives, never before in the lives of our parents, something that had not happened in living memory for many of us. We went to the store and there was no bread. We went to the store and there was no flour. There was no yeast. You couldn't even make it yourself. This thing that we absolutely take for granted. We began to feel the pinch of need. And this is something that happens in the developing world all the time. People go to the grocery store and there's no food. Or there's not enough food or there's not the food you want. But that's not an American thing. And so some people were outraged and some people were suddenly very anxious and began hoarding food because, you know, I'm entitled to stuff like this. And for you and I, did we actually stop and start to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Do you remember this is a prayer we pray every week that God would provide for us and meet our needs? We know that food doesn't just show up in a grocery store wrapped in saran wrap. There's actually something more complicated than that going on. But we're so removed from the people who produce our food, we don't think of this as a gift. We think of this as a guarantee. And that kind of thinking uh, creates injustice, or at least it covers injustice or that way of thinking about the world, where things just show up in our stores. And we began thinking about this before the pandemic in our culture, right? There were, there were folks who were thinking about um, 
gosh, we were hearing words like sustainability and big agriculture and nose to tail and farm to table and big food. We don't necessarily know what those words mean, but there's probably a Netflix documentary or two out there, and we could watch it if we really wanted to. And we're aware that stuff like that exists, but we're not really aware that, that one of the reasons our food is so cheap is because farmers experience injustice. That actually there are American farmers who struggle because they have to compete in a globalized economy as though they lived in India when they live in America, and that's a really challenging thing to produce grain or meat or things like that. Injustice. Now, there's injustice for migrants that are kept illegal because you and I are unwilling to pay a dollar for a tomato. We just won't pay a dollar for a tomato. That's outrageous. And this is to say nothing of people who live in the third world who produce food and goods and things like that. It's to say nothing for creation, which suffers when giant machines go and tear up the soil and destroy ecosystems and pour fertilizer into rivers that ultimately causes algae blooms, that ultimately causes mass fish to have. Injustice for creation. You and I, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're not just praying for our own bread. I'm not just praying for me and for my needs. I'm praying for you and for your needs. I'm praying for them and for their needs. These are Republican issues. These are Democrat issues. But it's not going to be fixed by voting a different way. It's just not. The way it gets fixed is by you and I thinking about food differently. By you and I thinking about the gifts of God as though they were gifts. By moving from being consumers to being, well, grateful recipients of the gifts of God. And if we begin thinking differently about our food, if we begin praying for our food with gratitude, we begin caring about the injustice of our neighbors, and that moves us into a kind of generosity, where we're actually more interested in paying different prices for things, even though it hurts us. We're actually much more interested in, in the needs of other people, and we don't just care about ourselves and what's going on in our family and in our grocery stores and our neighborhood. It creates a kind of generosity. And it's the kind of generosity I've seen in this church all through a pandemic, which is amazing. And some of you may not have been around for all of this, but there was all kinds of sneaky giving happening all throughout a pandemic. People who were giving literally their own toilet paper for their neighbor. Greater love have no one than this than to give up a roll for a friend, right? This is absolutely an amazing thing that happened in our community. You were sharing dry goods and beans and things you managed to pick up at grocery stores. There was this crazy sharing that happened in our church. There were people who were giving money without a destination in mind, just knowing there was somebody who's probably lost a job. And because, you know, we as the staff of the church get to be the nexus through which this stuff flows. There were people meeting each other's needs who didn't know who was meeting my need and didn't know whose needs they were meeting. And that wasn't just us and our community acting like the church in Acts, but that was amazing. We also love the people of Hope who couldn't drive to six different grocery stores to buy diapers. Who couldn't go to store after store after store hoping to find toilet paper. So we met the needs of the poor in this community because we understand that when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're... Not just praying for ourselves, but for the needs of all creation, for all these people that God feeds by hand as though we were, you know, birds in a park and he was just a little old man. The God who loves us and who feeds us every day, takes care of us every day. Jesus teaches us to pray as though that were true, as though we believed it, as though we actually cared about our neighbors down the way. And the alternative is a really ugly one. Again, an American example, but we live in this place and we have to think in this way. There are children in this world who starve. That's true. And famine is a real problem. But there's always enough food in the world. Always. Anytime you hear about children starving in the world, it is always the result of injustice. And typically, those are Western nations that have food rotting in their stores while people in the third world are starving. And to make matters much worse, 
you and I live in a place where people are always trying to meet this need that we feel inside of us with money or with food in lots of really weird ways. Gluttony is a real problem, a sin that the Bible talks about from time to time. That's not just overeating. That's any kind of eating disorder you can imagine. But here's an eating disorder that I learned about recently. Did you know there's a $5,000 cheeseburger in America? In a world where children starve. There's a $5,000 cheeseburger. And it's entertaining. It's fun. And if that's offensive to you, there's a $25,000 taco. Taco, singular, one taco. It's about this big. We live in a crazy world. And the solution to this isn't necessarily to yell at our neighbors. It's to begin to come back to the God who gives us good gifts, to begin to look at the world very differently because we pray very differently. We recognize our needs as moments of provision, moments for gratitude, moments for generosity, where we actually become people who say it is better to give than to receive, that we actually follow this God who loves us so much that he would give his life for us. And the thing is, even as we learn to pray in this way, what Jesus is giving us isn't bread. He's giving us a connection to the one who can give us the bread. Now, we talked about people who are more spiritual than God. Also, don't be less spiritual than God. That's a bad idea. Now, there's more to this world than just the stuff that we see and feel and touch. And the God of the universe wouldn't necessarily draw a really sharp line between the physical way that bread feeds me and the sort of more spiritual way that a nice piece of bread actually feels just good to your body in a way that's hard to explain. That a nice glass of water is refreshing beyond just physically. That we don't just live in a world where there are physical things and there are spiritual things, but we live in a world where these, these things are intimately connected with each other. And the problem in the book of Genesis is that we began to think of life lived on its own, purely physically, with no connection to the God of the universe. When really the, the God of the universe is very interested in giving us these physical gifts, that we then might offer them back to him, that, that he then might give them back to us, that we then might offer them back to him. So this constant giving and receiving relationship that the Bible seems to refer to, that we're constantly offering back to God the gifts that he gives us. We're constantly offering them out to the world in which we live. What Jesus is giving us a connection to is the God who can really meet our needs. The God who can really meet our needs. That's what prayer is all about. And when Jesus tells stories about prayer, he says, look, you can be cynical about how prayer works. You can live in a world that you've been conditioned by with McDonald's, where you're going to get your food in exactly three and a half minutes, or Starbucks, where you'll get your latte in four minutes, and you can pre-order, and it really should be seamless and quick. A world conditioned by vending machines, where if I push the right buttons, I get what I want. Jesus says, that's not what prayer is like. But that doesn't mean that you don't pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you don't bother God. You should absolutely bother God. God is like, and this is a story Jesus tells, it's like when you're home, and somebody just shows up, and you realize you don't have enough food in the house. So you go next door, and you start banging on your neighbor's door. And your neighbor says, I'm asleep. Go away. You keep banging. Eventually, he will give you food just to shut you up. Jesus says, God is better than that neighbor. Right? God is like um, if there was a situation in which there was a widow who needed justice, and there's this corrupt judge, and the judge couldn't care less about her. If she keeps bothering that judge, eventually, just to shut her up, he'll give her what she wants. God is better than a corrupt judge. And even a corrupt judge will give you what you want eventually. It's like, um, well, it's like you guys, he says. If your kid asks you for an egg or for bread, you don't give them rocks. You don't give them a snake. And you guys are idiots, Jesus says. This is a good father we're talking about. He's a really good father. The first time the word our is mentioned in this prayer is when we connect it to the father. And the next time is when we connect it to our daily bread. This is 
our Father who gives us this day our daily bread. That's the connection that Jesus is offering to us here. In the, the concentration camps, when the, the children were released from Dachau and Auschwitz and places like that, uh, they, they were brought to, to particular kind of, not like orphanages, but sort of housing centers where they could be fed. And it was a really complicated thing to feed these children who hadn't been fed in months or years. And so they had to just give them basic nutrition. They had to move slowly because the kids just wanted to eat and eat and eat. But eventually they got the kids healthy again and even actually kind of fat again, which was good for little kids. And the kids would still have trouble going to sleep at night. They could eat as much as they wanted, but they had trouble going to sleep at night because they weren't sure where their, their next meal was coming from. There was this existential fear that had very little to do with like physical bread. It had, had more to do with like a connection to a provider. And so there's a psychologist named Charles Allen who, who tried something. He said, you can eat as much as you want. And then when you go to bed tonight, we're just going to give you a slice of bread. And you can sleep with it. It's not for eating. If you're hungry, we'll just feed you more. But sleep with it. And know that tomorrow there will be enough bread for tomorrow. And the craziest thing happened. Children could sleep. All of a sudden, they had this just confidence that there was somebody who actually cared enough about them, and they could sleep. So that it wasn't really about the bread, it was about the giver, but it's also about the bread. It's about a God who meets our needs, but it's really about the God who meets our needs. It's not about the stuff in his hands, it's about the hands that hand it to us. I've been watching my kids a lot as I've been praying this prayer, because I keep thinking about God as a father, and I keep thinking I'm a pretty mediocre dad, which is the problem. When you read the Bible and you think about who God is, you go, man, I have a lot of growing to do. But I've been watching my kids lately, and I've noticed they never stop asking me for things. And I don't care at all. I love that they ask me for things. They ask me for things I was already going to give them. Dad, will you help me get water as I'm holding a cup and filling it up? Sure, that was weird. Yeah, okay, here we go. Dad, will you help me tie my shoe? No, I'm not going to help you tie your shoe. I want you to learn how to tie your shoe. I love you. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be next to you. But you need to learn how to do this yourself. Next time. Dad, will you help me tie your shoe? Sure, why not? It just, at a given moment, it depends on what they ask me for. It depends on kind of what I think they need in this given moment but I love that they ask me. I love that we're constantly in conversation with each other, and you never know. You never know what I'm going to say yes to. I'm always surprised. A couple of weeks ago, they said, Dad, can we have treats? It's 3 in the afternoon. I always say no, and that day I was like, yeah, let's get treats. That sounds good to me. And we went and we had Snickers bars, and it was amazing for all of us. And I was so glad that they asked because it hadn't occurred to me up until that moment that that would be a really fun thing to do. The other day, Sam is sitting in our uh, planter, and he's digging with a shovel, and he says, Dad, will you, will you dig with me? And I say, no, because I have a book, and I'm outside. And he says, Dad, will you dig with me? I say, no, I have a book. I wanted to read my book. Dad, will you dig with me? No, I don't want to get dirty. Dad, will you dig with me? He keeps asking. After five times, I started counting. He asked me 42 times, and then I felt bad that I was counting and said, sure, Sam, I'll just dig with you. He just kept on asking. Dad, I just want to spend time with you. Dad, will you give this to me? Dad, I love you. There is a love in the asking of the question that Jesus is teaching us about right here. Give us this day our daily bread. I love giving you bread. I'd be happy to give you more. Give me this thing, oh Lord. No, not right now. You don't need it right now. Give me this thing, oh Lord. All right, sure. Jesus teaches us to pray the way little kids talk to their dad, the way little kids talk to their mom. This is who we're talking to. When we say, give us this day our daily bread. Not to some vending machine, but to a God who loves us. Who meets our needs. Who gives us these opportunities for provision, for gratitude, for generosity. Because he's a good dad. 
He's a provider. Give us this day our daily bread. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus.